my parents included a lot of first generation immigrant parents who come to to the US especially Asian Americans work in restaurants as dishwashers as line cooks so that their kids don't have to and all of a sudden you have me and I'm just like you know telling them that I'm I'm dropping pretty much everything that I just completed for in a degree to go cook somewhere was like crazy I'm Steph I'm Rachel and we want to know pretty much everything about pretty much everyone we meet Welcome to Sit on the Floor. Oh my God, what a day. Okay, so we are sitting on the floor. We are. Of Moonshine 152, your restaurant, which is a restaurant in Southie, uh, in Boston. Mm -hmm. And um, it is 11 p.m. because that's the time that worked best. For you yeah. on Labor Day weekend, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of want to start off by saying how this all kind of came to be. So I found your restaurant, came here just random, like Google search, you know, looking for a place to go to eat. Um, came here with a friend. You came out. You brought us the food, and I didn't know like who you were. I was just like, right. wow, this person is so friendly for someone who's not our server. And then uh, the, our server came back at the end and he was like, um, oh, so did you guys get a chance to meet the chef? And we were like, oh, <laughs> oh. And then yep. he, we were like, that was the chef? And he's like, yeah, um, that's the chef, the owner. Uh, she's Head like kind of like line cook. He was like, she's kind of a big deal. Like Aww. she was on shop, like all this stuff. And we were like, oh, my God. It just like blew our minds. So I brought a bunch of people next time. And then that was when I like introduced myself and was like, yeah. this food is insane. And like, I feel the passion, your passion. Thank you for saying that. It means a lot. I, I have this silly saying that I, I say quite a lot, but it's you know, like make the food, run the food, gets here faster that way, gets there hotter, you know. And then also like I really try to bridge that gap between the back and the front of the house. I want to know how you first knew that food was something that you wanted to like really invest your time in and was like a full-blown passion. That probably wasn't until... Honestly, like right when I was about to graduate college. So I grew up a Chinese American kid in the middle of the Silicon Valley. Um, and I went to a really competitive public high school where traditionally, you know, it was very much just sort of driven into you that the only options for success are essentially lines like doctor, lawyer, engineer. And, um, I had never known anybody who worked in the retail or restaurant industry before. Just wasn't in any of my friend group or anything. And so it was probably my second semester at college uh, when I was going out with a guy whose family had a tiny little Japanese place in Fenway. That kitchen was the first time I've ever really seen what a professional kitchen was like. And I remember looking in there and seeing the fire and the excitement and the dynamic environment and the challenges and working with food and screaming and the yelling and and I just remember feeling that energy and I knew right away I was like this is it 
This is what I have been looking for my whole life. How long, if at all, did you consider the more like traditional life path that you're talking about? Oh, probably about? literally up until I found cooking. The week from, of my graduation from BC, I literally called my parents two days before graduation. They were all gonna come out for the ceremony and everything, like, of course. And uh, I told them to stay at home because I was skipping it myself and I was just gonna toss everything and start walking around Boston to all the four-star restaurants to get a job because I wanted to cook. My mom was like, I mean, not to be stereotypical, but truthfully, my parents included a lot of first-generation immigrant parents who come to, to the U.S., especially Asian Americans, work in restaurants as dishwashers, as line cooks, so that their kids don't have to. And all of a sudden, you have me, and I'm just like, they, they know I don't know how to cook anything. You know, telling them that I'm, I'm dropping pretty much everything that I just completed for in a degree to go cook somewhere was like crazy. So at this point in time, how much faith do you have in your dream? Like, are you so sure that it's going to work out when you make no, this decision? No, I mean, at that point, I just knew I wanted to do it. There was no plan at that point to open a restaurant. There's no plan, I want to be a chef. I didn't even really know at that point what that stuff but meant. But the fear of failure didn't stop you. No, I just moment. wanted to spend my time doing what I wanted to do. And as long as it afforded me the living that I needed, which was not fancy, then I would be fine. So you, know? you knew that you loved it yeah. before you were good at it. Yes. I so you learn. decided to get to, good at it yeah. after you knew you Correct. loved it. Wow. I went to, that day of my graduation ceremony, I walked to, I think I Googled, I knew I didn't want to go to culinary school because I knew I was done with formal education in that sense. Um, I wanted to sort of be in the trenches. I wanted to just learn by doing. And I had done some research and I figured, okay, like, you know, if you go to CIA, you learn French technique first. If you go to the Culinary Institute of America, you have all these textbooks. So I went to Barnes and Nobles. I bought every CIA textbook that I could find. I started reading them cover to cover. And I went to every four-star French restaurant in Boston, which of which there was only one at the time. And I got a job there that day. And I left four years later, being one of the only sous chefs in the life of a over 30-year-old restaurant. So how long do you would you say that it took for you to feel good about your cooking, confident, and sit there and say, I'm a really good cook now. Um, I mean, I think I, part of the reason I like the kitchen is because I think that you'll never really get there. So even, I mean, at this point, what, I've had a six and a half year old restaurant and we're doing really great and we've gotten so many incredible accolades and Best of Boston awards. The truth is like, I just, I love the kitchen and I love the hospitality industry because I just feel like you can always do better every day. The point isn't to sort of like get to a level where you're like, yeah, I've got it and like check it off and like, what's the next thing? It's about how do I incorporate everything to be the best version of myself like every single day and translate that to your dream. At what point did you think, okay, I'm ready to now start my own thing? Like at what, what, um, where were you leaving from and how did sure. you know that you were like, I'm ready to do this? I probably knew pretty early along the line that that's what I wanted to do. You know, you want to write the menu that you want to write. You want to do the food you want to do. As it turns out later with Moonshine, which I wouldn't have known before, 
I also want to lead the front of the house the way I want to lead the front of the house. Um, but you, you know, like I could do it all. It, like, yeah. yeah, you know, I'd had you some minimal, uh, serving experience before, but which did end up helping of course. But even then, I mean, there've been days in moonshine when we opened where a lot of, you know, since the beginning of the years of the restaurant, like a lot of these decisions weren't necessarily made to just teach myself or, or, you know, like show the staff what to do. A lot of it was done out of necessity. And so for example, there were days where, you know, the first six and a half, or sorry, the first five years of the restaurant, when we had late night before the pandemic, seven days a week till two in the morning, it's just me cooking solo in the back. You know, and I had so many chef friends ask me all the time, like, how do you get somebody to work late night? Like, how can you just get it staffed? Who's, and I'm like, no, like, that's just me. And like, sometimes it's really busy and sometimes it's really dead, but there's, there isn't anyone else. There's not even a dishwasher and things like, running the food you know it helps me to touch tables it helps me to get a sense of what's going on in the front but truthfully it just started because we couldn't afford to pay anybody to do it how long have you been open for uh, almost six and a half years tell me about like the first few years yeah and then how long was it for the pandemic like when the pandemic sure. struck so, first few years i mean honestly it's never been different through the pandemic it's always been a very small core team and it's always been balls to the wall We've been celebrating a lot of really well uh, welcomed and just amazing notoriety lately. One of the best industry spots in town, but you know, it's, it's a hidden gem. I think we've actually won hidden gem like five times, <laughs> but like, you know, it's, it's, it's You're like type, enough. We get a, that we're yeah, hidden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like one of the number one comments I think about moonshine is we love the fact that we can always get a, get a seat here. It's not too busy, you know? And I'm like, like oh thanks. my God. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where um, it's always been very, we've kind of always just sort of been this little restaurant that like kept trucking along every day. And there were so many times when I think that people thought we weren't going to make it. We had closed very quickly because of COVID. The world was turning upside down. And we went from thinking at one point that we were going to have our busiest week ever in the history of the restaurant with St. Patrick's Day Parade happening to possibly closing permanently as a surprise. And it was tragic. I don't think I'd ever experienced anything like that. I hope none of us ever will again. And I remember at one point in the restaurant, I basically put the restaurant on fire sale. I was selling anything. We were selling patio umbrellas, plates, food, ingredients, uh, toilet paper, lemon, like raw product, produce, anything and everything. I was putting it on the internet. We, I was doing spreadsheets. My phone must have died. It was literally just on my cable all day long while I was on the line. And this is with the whole team knowing that they were going to be unemployed the next day. And I sold everything that we possibly could. We divvied up the fun, funds amongst the staff so they had whatever they could before they can get an unemployment, if they could get an unemployment. And we put whatever else that we had left in the house so they could take some groceries home. And the next day, I had to call personally every single staff member, some of, most of whom at that point had been on since we had opened, and let them go. And it was heartbreaking. And I remember there was a point where I was like soul crushed and I was sitting in by myself in the middle of an empty dining room. And I remember thinking, I cannot possibly have the last memories I have of this space being the staff crying 
you know, and I thought, what could we possibly do? And at that point, we had heard that there was so much of a shortage of blood donations going on in hospitals, and the hospitals were being so very overwhelmed with the first pushes of COVID that um, I ended up pivoting within under a week. We pivoted the restaurant space to be a hub for American Cross blood drives. And the community coming together like that in a time where when we closed the restaurant, we were receiving racist, xenophobic calls. You know, it's like I'm Chinese American, so I guess the restaurant is influenced by that. But it's not strictly an Asian restaurant by any means. <laughs> um, at the same time, like we were getting threats. People were calling what were people the restaurant. Saying? Oh, I mean, like cussing, calling the restaurant, like saying the worst racial slurs, accusing us of being open and being greedy on uh, the last day that we were open just because we were trying, quite honestly, we were trying to sell everything for the staff. Um, I mean, it was, it was crazy. And it's in times where people are so scared and there's so much hate and fear going around, it was, I basically, I was like, I don't care if it has nothing to do with food at all. I will do whatever it takes to get some type of memory back in here and some contribution and spirit to the space that doesn't have to do with that. Okay, wait, so I'm actually, I'm a little bit confused. What exactly was the blood drive thing? I'm confused so about we, what... So we had beds in here as if it was an American Cross, oh. like, full-blown bus you had beds center. in yeah. the restaurant people came here and they donated blood all day long so there was no money involved in this oh no 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 there's there was no no but <laughs> money then, did not come until like way later and even then that was we we were always in such a hole because of being closed for three months but that, so then you think that that's going to be your last day yeah and then what happens after that oh after that i mean after that we were closed I ended up taking a job as a housekeeper and a private chef and worked seven days a week, both lunch and dinner. And then I spent all my time every day. I appealed to artist friends of mine, uh, my own art, for example. We were auctioning off anything I could from Boston to regulars and family that we had across the country. And any funding that they were giving, I was sending and dividing up towards the people who weren't able to get unemployment on my team. We had people stuck in airports who, I have one gentleman who tried to leave the country to go back home. He was stuck in an airport for two months, panhandling in the airport with nothing. So, I mean, it, it was just wild times. And, you know, I, I was selling recipes. I was fundraising as best I could for anything, taking, obviously taking any type of donations to the restaurant. Um, we were, I set up a GoFundMe. I uh, designed and quickly took pre-orders to fundraise um, a whole line of merchandise that we'd not had before. That's how I spent my time for the next three months. I mean. How often do you get a day off? Never. I don't take days off. You don't take days Since off? Since we opened the restaurant here, I have never taken a and day off unless it was to go film for Chopped or Be Bobby Flay or my sister's wedding the first year of the restaurant. There's so many years for, we close on Christmas and it would be the only day of the year that we would be able to do the construction projects at the restaurant. So there's been Christmases where 
I spent we closed for 48 hours so I could re-sand and paint the tables. So how <laughs> how many hours a night do you sleep? <laughs> uh, not much. I generally, I think if I get a lot of sleep, it's seven hours. I think that if I, on average, it's probably more like four or five. I nap when I can if I can. I have another but, question yeah, of too. Yeah. Okay. So with such little sleep, yeah. and I have to say, you're beautiful. Ah, what do you? you. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like the Is mask some- helps to like hide a lot of the stress. I feel like. <laughs> so what do you like? Is there? any other like do you think it's the exercise or like how do you maintain your physical uh, health no, i mean the restaurant keeps me on my toes that's for sure and i like i do try to work out when i can because that exercising i have very much found out um helps to keep me balanced uh i think there's a lot of conscious moments where i'm like this is i need to figure out how to not lose my mind today so then i just try to figure it out i want to ask you you have this incredibly unique set of life experiences with just like working and applying yourself as hard as you have and building this yourself and devoting yourself to serving other people in this way. I want to ask you what have your unique set of life experiences, what kind of wisdom has that afforded you that you feel like other people who have not lived what you've lived through like what have you gotten from that i i definitely think that personally when it comes to making whatever commitments you want to make you should make sure that they are thought out because yes if it comes to down to something like opening a business or if it comes down to something like choosing your career path for your next five years or whatever it has, you do need to really make sure that you take into account, yeah, your loved ones. What do they want out of you? Are they gonna be on board as well? Trust me, it is, I am very blessed with my life and people that I hold dear uh, on a day-to-day basis. But the truth is for every person that's still here at the restaurant as an employee or as somebody in my private life, I've probably lost I don't know, a million times that because I wasn't available to go to their birthday party or because I wasn't available to make a commitment like get married or have kids or whatever have you. You know, I just got engaged literally, I think at the end of the year in 2020. And he asked me the other day when we thought we'd be able to get married. And I remembered thinking, well, we probably need a day off for that. So I don't know, probably like earliest another couple of years from now literally like a couple of years from now is he as busy as you um he not not quite but pretty close he's also here at the restaurant so um you know he's it sort of goes hand in hand but even then like that that can be very tricky the the private life to make sure he's not the same person as I am which we have to discuss a lot so at times I we need to separate consciously and be like he needs more days off than I need you know that's okay. I sometimes forget that that's okay, but it is, you know, he needs to, he processes things in a different way. And not just him, you know, like anybody who works here at the restaurant, like I do have to remind myself often that not, it's not everything to everybody. So let me just put it out there that like literally every single 
thing I have ever tasted here <laughs> has been incredible. Oh, thank you. Every single thing that I've had, like I think you have something like, um, what is the tater tot dish? Oh, the party tots. That's Those like are such so a fun. It, and okay, when you see party yeah. tots on a menu, <laughs> you think like, oh tater tots right yeah. like you know what that is yeah. like that's like normal that's a fun food everybody likes that food and then you order it and it's like so different and yeah. creative ta- what they are you, a hot mess the but they are so much fun so technically they are smothered tater tots with a kimchi butter that we make in house truffle teriyaki glaze and uh sweet chili they sort of exemplify the type of food we have right at moonshine because we get so many awards like Best of Boston Fried Chicken, Best of Boston Brunch, Best of Boston Fried Rice. These are all things that they're just my simple twists on classic American or global comfort foods. And to me, the menu, every single thing on the menu, like the party tots, exemplifies the type of thing that you want and crave on more than a once a week basis. You know, these are things you want on your day off. There are things that you want when it's raining outside. There when you're with your you friends. Want. Yeah, there are things that you want when you haven't seen your friends because of a pandemic in a year and a half and you all just want to get together and go down. It's great. I've oh, never so heard anyone describe it like that. And I think yeah. that's, yeah, Thank that's you. really good. Well, that's what's that's interesting is like you're attaching experiences to the dish. But right. what's so cool is like everything you just said is true. And yet when it gets to the table, it's like a complete surprise. Right. Like everything yeah. is a surprise here. Yeah. You know, so how did you come up with the name Moonshine? Well, that one was just kind of being kitschy and funny. This used to be a different restaurant called Franklin Southie, and I was their chef here the third year in. I just had always thought that if someone paid a little bit more attention and was here a little bit more, they could really do something special with this space. So when I opened up Moonshine, uh, it's been important to me to serve and be there for the industry late night so that somebody coming in at 5.30 on a Tuesday evening would have the same service and execution of food at 1.30 in the morning yeah. after they got out of work on a crazy shift, wow. whether they were rolling in like casual or, or with a group of friends. And so that moonshine always felt to me like what I wanted to be the hub or the community center for once the sun went down, it always kind of felt like this is where everybody would come to congregate and meet. I feel like what you're saying is everything that you're saying about how you describe the restaurant and what you care about is like truly service. When you say like same level of execution in the middle of the night and how it's important to you to like interact with everyone i feel like what you're getting at is truly serving other people yeah like at its purest yeah. and most well, basic you're an form. artist so one of the biggest thing about artists is the perception and the viewing of your art right displaying it letting people enjoy it when it comes to food and if you're committed to being in the food business to get your art to the people is the service it's all one thing, you know, there's no, to me, there's no, the food was great, but the service sucked. So they're tied together. Moonshine was meant to be, like I said, that hub. And ironically, with things like the pandemic, the community has never, I don't, I don't think it's ever had to lean on it more, but it really shows 
what we can contribute. And, and I view it as paying it back because like I said, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our customers, for the regulars, for the people who, we had people reaching out to just buy, faithfully buying thousand dollar gift certificates that they were promising to not use for a year afterwards. Like things, that kind of stuff, just when you're really, really low, floors you and renews your faith in humanity and reminds you that not all is lost and that if those of us do what we can with whatever we have there's a chance of it being okay you know and it's like and then and here we are like a year and a half later and it's we're still here <laughs>